You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Before we get started, um, Jim had a had something he wanted to share before we get going on our worship. So, yeah, as I was praying uh, this morning before, uh, just in preparation for my own heart uh, to come here, um, I was just struck by this scripture in Psalm 26, and it's uh, six through eight, and it's out of the Passion Translation, and this is the heart of David. And that's what we all are striving for in this season, is to have the heart of David. Uh, That's why the Psalms are are critical at this season, uh, because of everything. So um, Psalm 26, 6 through 8 says, When I come before you, I'll come clean. And I stopped right there, and I went, okay. We come clean before him, just laying everything and allowing the blood of the lamb to prepare us. He goes on, he says, approaching your altar with songs of thanksgiving, singing the songs of your mighty miracles. Lord, I love your home, this place of dazzling glory, bathed in the splendor and light of your presence. And I was meditating on that. And that was a heart that I had for us this morning. And as I was praying towards that, I said, Lord, let us move into this place of your dazzling glory. Let us enter into this place of the light of your presence. And then I felt the Holy Spirit wanted to encourage us. Don't let the familiar get in the way of the fabulous. Don't let the normal get in the way of the unexpected move of my spirit. And don't let the natural get in the way of the supernatural. And the Lord reminded me of a song, we chorus, we sing. Forget about ourselves, concentrate on Christ, and worship him. Just thank you, Father, for your splendor and your majesty. That we are able to see it even now. Lord, we long for the day when we see it in fullness. We see it plainly before us. So for now, we just, we look to you. We want to see your face. We want to see your glory. We want to see you high and lifted up. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, to know you, to know you deeper. That we wouldn't just, we wouldn't be so distracted by the stuff in our world that's familiar. Give us faith for today. Give us faith for tomorrow. That you're here with us now and that you're already ahead of us planning for the next thing that's coming that you're outside of time, and that you hold us so tenderly, that you know what's coming, and you're on it already. 
God, we can trust you in that place. We can trust that you know what's happening and you have a bigger picture than we do. So we come up, we come up higher. We come up to see from your perspective, God. We thank you that you've seated us at the right hand of the sun. Soften 
to do this next song, Come Alive, Dry Bones. And we were in noon prayer and um, we were praying for people that had COVID. We were praying for our nation that was um, in fear. We're praying for the churches. And the Lord just gave me this this, um, message, sort of this knowing that while everybody is worried about, they're in fear of, of illness that's born on breath, right? Like you breathe and stuff comes out of your mouth. We're all worried about what's on everybody else's breath. Are you sick? Are you sick? Are you going to give me this? And God was like, my breath that I now breathe on you is full of spirit and life and hope and truth. You need my breath. Don't worry about everybody else's breath. Stop looking at that. Stop focusing on that problem. I am the answer. So today we're going to sing this Come Alive Dry Bones, and this is out of the message, out of the Bible um, in Ezekiel, where Ezekiel comes to the Valley of the Dry Bones, and God tells him to prophesy to the dry bones that are buried there, that have died there. And he says it's the whole nation of Israel. It's God's people that are dried up and they have lost their hope. That's who he says the bones are. It's not the world, it's us. It's the people of God. Where we've gotten dry, where we've lost our hope, that's because we're not seeing God in our future. We're not seeing him coming and having his way. So we're gonna prophesy through song today. We are going to, we're gonna call out to the dry bones to come alive. And he says, prophesy to the breath. After he's already shaken the bones and the sinews have come back and the flesh has come back, they still don't have life in them. So where we've been, where we've, where we're, we're formed, we're here as a, as a body, you know, the, the, the body of Christ across the whole world, we may be formed, but sometimes we don't have life. And it's only spirit, breath, breath and spirit, it's the same word there. God's spirit, God's breath, it gives life and life everlasting. That we need to breathe on our church, breathe on the church of God across the whole world. And I believe that when we, when we align with what God's saying, that it's his authority on our words. So when we breathe these words out, we're breathing that out to the whole world.
was the vision that he gave me. Imagine you live in the kingdom back in the days of knighthood and kings. And if you have sin, you are put outside the walls of the kingdom. Now, maybe you didn't kill anybody, maybe you didn't steal anything, but maybe you spoke words out of your mouth that were not blessing. Maybe you had thoughts that were not honoring to God. And so the king knew that, and you were set out. But when you surrender to him, and this is a sign of has for us be open because he doesn't have anything that isn't good everything that he has for us is good and sometimes we reject that because we think we know better for ourselves and it's a lie 
So, the, so we stand outside the kingdom and we, if we will fall to our knees and raise our hands to him and surrender and repentance, he will come and bring his 40 horsemen with him on his horses out of the, out of the out of the out of the wall when the gate comes down he comes for you and he takes you by the hand and he pulls you up and he says i love you you are forgiven and to be loved by the king there's nothing else we need that fulfills us that makes us whole we are forgiven and free awesome thanks kelly thank you jesus hallelujah well i get the the honor the privilege and the the joy of sharing the doers of the word actually neva's been doing such a great job i should have her come up and share about that no, I'm here to share about the River City House of Prayer uh, ministry I lead here in, in Mason City and have for 10-plus uh, years, I guess, now. And I thought, what a privilege it is for me to share in this house. Because in, in this house is where this ministry was birthed. Not in this room, but in the house, in, in this ministry. Which is, again, I, I thought, wow, I bet you there's some people that don't know the story of, uh, of our chop. That's easier to say. than. But what, what happened was, um, many years ago, we had some friends uh, that exposed us to the river, to International House of Prayer down Kansas City. So we went down there on some weekends and visited. And we were like going, wow. And I knew right away, this is what I was made for. You know, I was created for this. This is like, oh boy. You know, this is like, you got a puzzle going, that's, I fit. All the edges, all the curves, everything fit. And I'm like, oh God, this is amazing. Why didn't you tell me about this before? But the timing, obviously. So, so we visited a couple times. And we come back up here, and Janie gets a hold of some people. And this, I don't know all the, Mary's gone, so she helps me with the sequence of events. Uh, not my strength, but anyway, Janie says, I believe, I feel we're supposed to meet at noon in front of the old Hobby Lobby, the one that's no longer. <laughs> I said, we prayed the roof down, didn't we, Janie? <laughs> we got done praying in front of that place, and like, oh, God says, no, and he put his hand on it, and <laughs> there went Hobby Lobby. So we prayed there. We prayed for months until it got too cold to pray there, and then we moved to the church office every noon. We are praying. And, and sovereignly, God opened up this building. Really, I believe this building, where we're at, was birthed out of the house of prayer, out of that place of prayer. And that's another thing. A vision of the house of prayer is, is really unlike a lot of visions for ministry and stuff. But the vision for the house of prayer, is, to me, explodes. It blows the walls off. You know, I'm so grateful for those that minister uh, on the front lines. We pray for them. China, Korea, Israel, you know, we intercede for them. But from the place of prayer, 
we get to impact those, those nations without, you know, paying the, paying the money to, to fly there. We get to impart or release from the heavenly realm to the earth realm the power, presence, and the strategies of Holy Spirit. And then those that are in that place get the benefit of the Holy Spirit. And we get the joy of, of partnering with him and, and doing what he's called us to do. So this place of prayer is just like, wow, this, God just opened up the realm. And I'm going, wow, this is so cool. And I just wanted to that's a little bit of what was going on. The whole thing about going down to IHOP and, and then we were going to move down there. Had our house on the market. Pastor, asked, Pastor Jeff let me share at the old, uh, at the union. And this is the, I had to bring this up because I shared out of Revelation. The time he asked me, the word Jeff is, is speaking now, but I was a little bit later in the book. If you look at 4 and 8, it, it uh, Revelation 4 and 8 will tell you what your prayers can do. Read Revelation 4 and 8. They will show what your prayers, what kind of power your prayers have. It's amazing. Your prayers are incredible. Don't let the enemy tell you otherwise. So anyway, I had to say that. So here's the, here's the prophetic. The doers of the word, this is the word. The that Isaiah prophesied and Jesus affirmed. Isaiah 56, 6 through 7 says, also the foreigners, and he's talking to non-Jewish people. So I go, wow, I qualify. All the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone who keeps from profaning the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant even these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings, their sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all the peoples. Then the entrance of Jesus on the entrance into Jerusalem, and they're out, Hosanna, Hosanna. And they're worshiping him in Matthew 21. And the crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a robber's den. And this, again, was what we're, our heart is, is to not just a, it's a house of prayer, but it's a people of prayer. It's a city of prayer. It's an army of prayer. It's a, it, it, it is not a denomination. The house of prayer is not a denomination. It, it's, it's a declaration <laughs> of the Holy Spirit and of Jesus. This place it's not about the name uh, on the building. This place is a house of prayer if we will allow the spirit of prayer to, to grip our hearts. If we'll allow the, the heart of God to grip us, this, this room will just transform into a, a place of prayer like none other in this city. And that's what we do. We, we establish a, a, an altar of his presence. Uh, like it says, in, in the, when he says he calls him, he says, 
they called, the Lord says, to minister to him and to love his name. That really is our first priority of the house of prayer, is to minister to Jesus and to love him. It's out of that we get to pray. It's out of that we get to pray. And this is what we do. Uh, right now we're doing it Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, and we get that when we were locked down a little bit more, uh, we did Zoom prayers. And we're still kind of carrying that over into the prayer room. We're meeting at the prayer room, now at the beacon uh, in the back room. And that's another blessing I'll share next time. But um, yeah, this, this time, the Zoom prayers, we got two people, Melody Stone, who's from here, and a friend of hers from Hawaii, join us via the Zoom in our prayer room. And it was like, oh, wow, this is awesome. So all of a sudden, God gave us a picture that says, I'm enlarging you. I'm giving you more responsibility in prayer. Here's Hawaii. Stand. Join the army, as we sang about. Rise up, dry bones. Come alive, army, and take your place. And so this is what we're doing. This is what we've done. And we'll share more on the upcoming weeks. But we appreciate any support uh, that you can give us. In your, we're going to be doing some Friday night. We did one, and we're going to do Friday night worships. Um, and this will be like about 6.30 uh, at the Beacon, hopefully, unless something comes in the way. But uh, yeah, Friday night at the Beacon at 6.30, and we had like 33, 35 people last time, and, and Jesus was there, and it was like, wow, powerful. When he walks into the room, right? So praise you. May I pray just one more time for us? And then we'll thank you. Holy Spirit, grip our hearts with what grips yours. Touch our thoughts with what touches you. Ignite our being and fill us with prayer. Holy Spirit, overwhelm us with yourself. We don't want to be the same. We don't want to walk in the one way and come back out just the same. We want you to take hold of every part of our being. We want to burn for you. We want to be consumed with passion. We want to be zealous. We want to be one heart with one mind. We want to be one house before you. We want to be all yours and nobody else's, Jesus. And it's only you, and we thank you right now that you will continue to flood this room with vision, flood this room with revelation, flood our hearts with understanding and insight as you begin to unite a vision, as you begin to draw us together, as you begin to comp bring us under your banner, as you begin to open the door and we get to come up higher. Jesus, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you. Because when you walk in the room, the enemy has to flee. When you walk into a heart, the enemy has to bow in submission to you. And we must take that place and allow you to clean every area of our lives. So we thank you right now. We thank you for what you're doing and all that you have done already. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You don't have a ton of things in common with God, but there is one thing. You speak. So does he. God spoke light into existence with his words. I wonder what you could speak into existence with your words this week. 
I wonder what kind of love you could speak into your marriage that feels like it's in neutral. I wonder what kind of courage you could speak into the heart of a child who's hurting. I wonder what kind of peace you could speak into your broken friendship. What kind of hope you could speak into your own weary soul. I want you to know that the most powerful words you're going to speak this week is probably not going to be on a stage or a conference call or closing the deal with a client that you want. The most powerful words you're going to speak is probably just with one or two people listening, maybe zero. It's totally possible that the most powerful sentence you'll say this week is a thoughtful text message that you send to a friend who's walking through the valley of the shadow of death. It's the apology email that you finally get the courage to send. It's the whispered prayers through tears in the middle of a dark night. Powerful words aren't just for preachers who stand behind pulpits. They're for parents who stand next to bunk beds and speak life to their kids. For spouses who share hopes and dreams during pillow talk, and not criticism. For teenagers, Stand up to bullies. Stand up for the uncool kids. Your tongue is so small, but so powerful. Your tongue is telling a story. Isn't that powerful? Love that video. Love that video. You'll see that again. Uh, before I get started this morning, I want to just kind of cover a few things. Um, next Sunday morning, uh, following this service at 1030, we're going to be doing new members class. So for those of you that are interested in becoming a member of Praise Community Church, we're going to do just a one-time shot uh, next uh, Sunday morning, 10.30 to probably um, around noon. Uh, I think Dan uh, is providing free lunch for all of you, so it, did I understand that correctly, Dan? Oh. <laughs> Dan said if she cooks at Point Geneva, it's free. <laughs> Well, anyway, we're going to be doing that uh, with or without a meal uh, next, uh, next uh, uh, Sunday morning, 1030 uh, to noon. So if you are interested, we invite you uh, to come and to be a part of that. And again, as I said last week, uh, even if you're just interested in finding out more about the church, it's a great, great way uh, to do that as well. You're not under any obligation. You may come and just feel like you're not ready, uh, and that's fine. Uh, there's no pressure. There's no obligation. It's just an opportunity for you to maybe take that next step. Um, in your faith journey. Uh, two weeks from this morning, uh, we are going to be doing baptisms. August 16th, we'll have the baptismal fount, uh, the pool set up here. Uh, we'll be doing by uh, full immersion. Um, so that'll be two weeks. If you are interested in the new members or being baptized, uh, there is a sign-up sheet out there in the entryway as you come into the worship area uh, on a table there. So following services, you can kind of locate that sheet for new members for baptism, and just go ahead and sign up for one or both of those uh, if you are interested. I think there's kind of an information sheet out there as well that'll give you more information of how to prepare uh, for the uh, baptism 
if you're interested in that. And then uh, just want to kind of just put a plug in again uh, for the uh, Bible reading marathon that we're going to be doing again uh, this year. I think this is this our fifth year doing that, Karen. Fourth year, okay. Uh, our fourth year doing that, and as I said last week, uh, there really, I cannot think of a more important time in the uh, history of our nation to be standing and publicly proclaiming the Word of God. I don't know if any of you uh, caught this this week. I, I haven't really seen it in very many places. Um, anybody know what they're burning in Portland right now? Bibles. Bibles. Burning Bibles in Portland. Stacks of Bibles. They're bringing stacks of Bibles, and they're burning them now in Portland. They're burning churches down. They're coming. And I'm saying that to put fear in anybody. I'm just telling you, they're coming. They're coming for the churches. If we don't take a stand now, when? I know for a lot of people right now, the church is not a safe place to be because of the virus. I'm telling you that we're coming to a point the church is not going to be a safe place to be, period. We're going to have to muster courage. And we're going to have to decide whether we're going to take a stand for Jesus. And we're going to have to make a declaration of what we believe. Remember a story somebody shared with me a long, long time ago, and it just made an indelible imprint on me. I've never forgotten this story. The story of a group of believers that got together for worship one Sunday morning, and as they were gathering together, a man in a mask walked in with a gun. And he said to the congregation that was there, he said, any of you that do not believe that Jesus is Lord... Any of you that do not believe that Jesus rose from the dead, you need to leave now because if you don't, you're going to be executed. So about half the congregation got up and walked out. People were left standing there. The man with the mask, the gun, took off his mask, and he said, now, brothers and sisters, let's worship. There's coming a day in the United States of America where the church is not going to be a safe place. It'll be an awesome place. It's going to be a glorious place. John 15, Jesus is pruning. He's pruning. There are two things that are going to happen in the pruning. It says the things that are dead are going to be cut away and they're going to be burned. But the great thing is, is that for those of us who love Jesus, who are walking in the Spirit, Jesus says that in that pruning, in that cutting away, what happens? More fruit comes. More growth comes. God is pruning. And I still don't think God is done. God is, God's never done pruning. He's always pruning. He's pruning in us. He's pruning the body. He's pruning, again, the, those things that are going to be burned. He's pruning those things uh, to take away so that more can come. And, and pruning is always a difficult, it's a painful thing. So again, I, I'm just, I'm telling you, I believe that there are great challenges coming for the church. 
But I also believe it is going to be an opportunity for Jesus to shine, for Jesus to show up, for Jesus to demonstrate his power, his goodness, his kindness in ways we have never seen. We will see breakouts of the Spirit of the Lord. Um, we will see revival happening in churches and across this nation. It is coming. But we gotta stay strong. We got to stay grounded. We got to stay rooted in Jesus. We got to stay filled with the Spirit. And again, I think the, the, the uh, Bible readings are so, so key. And so we are going to be doing that again this year, starting on um, Tuesday, September 1st at nine o'clock. We've got the first three hours are all city leaders. Um, so uh, I think in the last years, we've had two hours. This year, we're increasing it to three hours uh, to be able to include more city leaders. We, we believe that, that they set the tone. When our city leaders come, uh, it, they set the tone. Um, and so we'll be doing that, and we're going to be uh, having a sign-up sheet. Karen is here this morning, so uh, following worship service, she'll have some uh, times out there where we can kind of begin to sign up to be a part of this. Uh, in the past years, I think we've had over like 25 different churches represented in that it takes about 380 readers uh, to do this. We do it from Tuesday, September 1st through Sunday, September 6th. We read the entire Bible beginning from Genesis 1-1 all to the end, all the way to uh, Revelation 22. Um, it's just, I think it's just going to be a powerful year this year. I think that there are going to be some things that are going to be released over our city, over our county, um, over um, our state. Um, that I just believe we're going we're gonna to begin to see great fruit uh, come from that. So I want to just encourage you uh, to consider being uh, a part of that. Also in your, uh, on your seats this morning, all of you should have gotten a flyer there for the strategic discipleship. I want to just take a moment, encourage you to take this with you this morning. Uh, this is something we're going to be uh, beginning here in the fall in a couple of weeks, um, probably right after Labor Day uh, in September. And we're going to be launching um, small groups that are really focused on strategic discipleship. We believe that it is time for the church to not only be a disciple, but to be a disciple who knows how to make disciples. That's what Jesus calls us to do, is to be a disciple who disciples others. And I believe that the church is filled with disciples who don't know how to disciple others. Um, and so what we want to really begin to do is we really want to begin to take people um, who are disciples um, for, for Jesus, and we want to begin to teach them how to disciple other people. Uh, what I love about this, and I'll be, I'll be sharing facets of this uh, throughout the month of August, but one of the things I love about this is the very first year, the first half of that is what we call foundations. It, it's basically an introduction uh, to spiritual uh, disciplines. It's, it's, a, it's an introduction to the basic Christian faith. It talks about what is the Bible, who is God, who is Jesus, who is the Holy Spirit. It just talks about the foundational beliefs of the church. What I love about this is we'll, we'll do this, we'll offer it in September. Uh, it's uh, 14 weeks, and then we'll offer it again in January for 14 weeks. Um, and so what I love about that is twice a year, we will be offering for people who are hopefully new to the church or maybe even new to the faith. 
Um, and that's our hope, is that as we're making disciples, we're going to be having people who are going to be coming in that know nothing about the Bible. They know nothing about Jesus or God. And so we want to be able to have a foundations class like that, an introduction to Christian um, foundations, where we can take them in and begin to teach them just the basics. A lot of it we already know. If you were to take it, you would say, yeah, I, I know all of this. The problem is, is some of you don't know it well enough or are comfortable enough with it to be able to share it with others. That's what we want to begin to build in people in the strategic discipleship, is that you're a disciple who not only understands who God is, but you, you understand it enough and you're comfortable with it enough that you're able to begin to kind of share that um, with others. And so that's kind of a little bit of, a, of the idea. The second 14 weeks in that first year phase is on the life of Jesus. Uh, just, you know, as we kind of begin to look at how did Jesus live? How did, how did the Son of Man, who was filled with the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, how did he walk? How did he operate? How did he relate to God? And so we want to look at um, the life of Jesus. So that's kind of phase one for this year. So if you're interested in signing up for that, we're going to uh, get you into a small group. I think on the uh, sign-up sheet, uh, it has some options there of times that we're going to be offering that. So if there's a time that works for you, you can check that. If you've got a couple of options that can work, I'm fine with checking um, any option that works for you. At the end of the month of August, we'll kind of sit down, look at all of those that have signed up, and then we'll kind of begin to make uh, the uh, discipleship groups up. And again, those will begin uh, sometime the week after uh, Labor Day weekend. And we'll just be meeting for 14 weeks, uh, doing uh, the first part of that, and then we'll start up again in January sometime, and we'll do the other 14 weeks, and then that kind of takes us through that first phase. So there's more information on there. Encourage you to take that. Just prayerfully consider maybe being a part of a discipleship group um, that's going to be starting here um, in the fall. I know we've got some that are co-ed. Um, I'm going to be leading a Tuesday morning men's only if there's enough interest um, out there for that. So we, we tried to get a variety of times and days there, and hopefully something will work for everyone um, that is interested. So again, I just encourage you to take that um, and read through that uh, this week. Let's just stand uh, together this morning. We're going to just, again, we're going to pray a proclamation. We're going to pray that declaration out of a Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, next week, I'm going to uh, introduce a new one, um, but we're going to just pray this together this morning. Again, all of these prayers that we're asking the church to pray right now, including this one. There's also the prayer out of 1 Corinthians 12 that's the spiritual gifts. Again, as we pray for the spiritual gifts, we're praying uh, for uh, ourselves. We're praying for each other. We're just praying that these gifts will manifest. I believe, you know, Kelly was a great example of that. She came to me this morning before worship started and she said, I believe I have a word uh, from the Lord for the congregation. That's, that's one of those spiritual gifts we're praying for. We want God to begin to move in those giftings. Uh, also, 1 Corinthians 13, that's the love chapter. And again, as things heat up in, in terms of persecution of the church, we are going to need to be able to love like Jesus loves. We're going we're to need to be filled with the love of the Father. If we're ever going to have any uh, means of ever uh, responding in any meaningful ways to persecution, uh, to the sufferings uh, that can come upon the church, we need to be filled with the agape of God's love. And so again, we know 
know that as if, if you're trying to function in the giftings without love, Paul says you're nothing but an annoying, clanging symbol. Um, so just think about that drum set uh, that you got a kid for Christmas and how annoying that becomes. That's what Paul says. The gifts without love are like that. So we always want to be filled uh, with love in the way that we're responding. We always want God's love to be flowing out of uh, our giftings. And so these are the prayers that we're praying for the church uh, right now. So let's just join together uh, in Ephesians uh, 4, uh, verses 11 through 16. And again, if you're new here this morning, all of these prayers are available. You can grab them um, up here on your way out this morning. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for these gifts Christ gave to the local church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Empower them and make them responsible to equip God's people to do your work and build up the local church, the body of Christ. May this continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of your Son, Jesus Christ, that we will become mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. We ask you, Father God, that you would raise up the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers in this church. Stir up these gifts among us as these gifts powerfully and effectively work among us. We will no longer be immature like children, we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Christ Jesus makes the whole body fit together perfectly, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of agape. We ask you this for the universal church throughout the earth and for our church, Praise Community Church. Amen. You may be seated. We're continuing on a, a series of messages that I started a couple of weeks ago, and we're going to work our way through, uh, revolving around the seven messages that were given to the seven churches in Revelations chapter 2 and 3. And these are messages that were given to the disciple John from the risen, resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. And again, these seven letters to these seven churches are so important important, and they are so relevant, and I think they're becoming more and more relevant as the days go by. Even though these letters were written, given over 2,000 years ago, they are still as relevant and important today as they were then because these challenges that were faced by those seven churches in Revelations chapter 2 and 3 are the same challenges we are going to face in the churches today. And not only do you find the challenges they face, but you also find the solutions the keys to overcoming those challenges. You also find the rewards that are there for those who overcome. 
So when we get into the letter of Ephesus, again, we'll talk about that this morning. What was their downfall? Their downfall was, was that Jesus fell from first place, from first priority in their love. And, and that is something that happens in every church. That potential can happen in every church, in every age, in every culture. That was not just something that was unique to the church there in Ephesus. This is something that has the potential to occur in any and every church if we're not careful. It can happen on not just an individual level, but it can also happen on a corporate level where, where it, it's the whole church has lost their first love. And again, the temptation, the potential of losing our first love, our first priority of loving Jesus above all else, again, it's something every believer, every church, every culture, every generation is faced with. And so we began by looking there at that church in Ephesus, now, the church at Ephesus was doing, as we talked about, so many great things. I mean, they, they were doing everything pretty much right. They had a lot going for it. They were a very, very busy, very active church. But again, they had one major flaw. It doesn't matter if Jesus was second, third, or fourth place. Again, if Jesus is not first place, meaning number one priority in your life, in the life of the church, it's a problem. And it's a problem that needs to be addressed and corrected quickly. And so Jesus' response there to the church in Ephesus, he recommends for them, uh, he commends them. And when we talked about that, he commended them for what they were doing well. And there were four things that he commended them on. He said, you are a devoted church. You are a disciplined or you are a disciplining church. It doesn't bother you to discipline those among you uh, who are in sin or who have backslidden. So he said, you're devoted, you're, you're disciplined, you're discerning, and you're a determined church. And so he commended them. So those are things that you're doing well. And then he kind of gives them the bad news. The good news, here's the four things you're doing. Bad news is, here's kind of the one thing I have against you, Jesus says. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Now, some translations don't have that each other in there. You know, some translations just says, Jesus just says, you're not, you, you don't love me as you first did. And I think some translations put that, include that, or each other, because again, the Bible talks about, you know, if you love God who you can't see, but yet hate your brother who you can see, he says that the truth's not in you. You're really not loving God. You're not really loving Jesus if you hate your brother or sister. You're, you're walking, you're living in darkness. And so I don't think it's incorrect to add that in there, because I think it's one of the ways that, that Jesus can fall from first place, first priority, first love in our lives. If we're not loving our brothers and sisters, we're not loving him the way we should. So I think that that's appropriate to include that in there. And so Jesus had fallen from first place. 
They weren't loving God the Father. They weren't loving the Lord Jesus Christ. They weren't loving the things of the Spirit with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. They lost their love for the things of the Spirit. And again, this is why I I think it's so crucial as we're praying in Ephesians 4, as we're praying in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There's a lot of churches that don't love the things of the Spirit. They're apathetic towards them. they're, they're, They're not against them, but they're really not for them either. A lot of churches, you know, they, they kind of look at, at the giftings have, you know, kind of passed with the apostles. We, you know, we don't heal. Uh, God doesn't heal anymore. Uh, that passed away. Uh, the gift of prophecy, that was all done away with back in the early church. God doesn't use that anymore. And again, that, those are just examples of ways that we can begin to lose our love for the things of the Spirit. And that's why I believe it's so important to pray this for our church, that these things are, are, are coming alive more and more, that more and more people are recognizing their gift and allowing God to use them in that. It's, it's, again, it's one of the ways that we show, we reflect our love uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ, for the Holy Spirit. And like I said previously, I'm sure this whole thing of Jesus falling from that first place, that first priority, uh, the church losing their first love, it, it didn't happen quickly. I'm sure it happened subtly. I'm sure it happened you know, over a period of time. I'm sure they didn't even realize it was happening. It was so subtle. And that's true of every church on fire for God, for every believer. It is so easy, and I'll speak from just my own experience. It is so easy to get caught up in doing for God that you lose how to be with God, or you lose your being with God. It's so easy to become consumed by achieving for God that we begin to lose that sense of what it means to abide with God. It's so easy to love ministry and lose God in the process of doing ministry. I remember when I first became a Christian, the pastor that led me to the Lord said something to me that I never forgot. And he said to me, be careful that you don't fall in love with Christians and lose Christ. And I didn't understand at the very beginning what he meant by that but it didn't take me long to figure out what he meant. It was so easy for me to be around people who loved the Lord that oftentimes I found myself loving them and not him. And he was so right. It is so easy to love worship and to lose sight of the one we worship. It's so easy to love your small group or your Bible study and lose your love for the one we're studying. And this is what happened with the church in Ephesus. They were so busy doing things for Jesus that they were losing time to spend with Jesus. They had a program, the church in Ephesus, they had many programs, but they were losing their passion for Jesus. They were busy for the Lord but they were not a blessing to the Lord. How many of you remember the story of uh, Mary and Martha in Luke 10? 
I mean, I just, again, we see that in the church play out all the time. Remember Martha, she is so busy, you know, preparing the meal, you know, getting the meatloaf ready, the potatoes, you know, kind of peeled, cutting the onions. And she looks over and Mary is just sitting there at the feet of Jesus, listening, just enjoying being in his presence. Martha, what was more concerned about what was going in the oven than she was about just being in the presence of Jesus. And so she complains to Jesus. And remember what Jesus said to Martha, let her be, she's doing the right thing, in essence. She's doing the right thing. She's doing what is necessary. She's doing what is needed. And again, The problem with Martha is Jesus was not in first place. Jesus was not her first and foremost important priority. So when it comes in a church to the point where work becomes more important than worship, chances are Jesus has fallen from first place. When labor for Jesus is more important than love for Jesus. It's a good indicator that he has fallen from first place. And again, there were many, many things that the church of Ephesus was doing right, and Jesus commended them for that. But they were doing them for the wrong reasons. They were obedient, but their hearts just weren't in it the way it was in the beginning. They loved him, but not the way that they did in the beginning. When a man asked Jesus in Matthew chapter 22, he said, what is the greatest commandment? Out of all these commandments that Moses gave us, Jesus, if you had to pick the most important one, what would it be? Remember what Jesus said? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That is the first and the greatest commandment. It was the first and greatest then, it's the first and greatest now. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary, was once asked this question. He said, Mr. Taylor, do you think the greatest requirement for a missionary is to love lost souls? Hudson Taylor stopped and he thought about that for a moment. And he said, no. He said, the greatest requirement for a missionary is that he love the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if he loves Jesus, He will love lost souls. So we had the commendation, we've had the criticism. Now let's turn to the counsel that Jesus gave the church. He gives them, these are the things you're doing wrong. And now Jesus says, here's what you can do to fix it. First thing is, he says, remember. In verse five, remember therefore from where you have fallen. Now that word remember in the Greek word, it kind of means to call to remembrance, to kind of bring it back to the forefront of your mind. In other words, the first things we're to do is to kind of go back down memory lane, to try to think of a time, a place, a point, a circumstance in your life where your love for Jesus was just boiling hot. And to remember that, to to, to get a picture of that, 
and then begin to ask God to take you back, to not to that place, that moment, but, but to take you back in that passion, in that feeling, in that pursuit um, of him. Think back to a point in, in your life where you were just, again, the most on fire for Jesus. You know, go back and to think and to remember how was it that you felt when you first truly got saved. Again, David says to restore unto me the joy of your salvation. That, that's kind of that idea there. And every one of us can think back to, again, times and, and places in our lives where we were just really on fire for him, where we loved him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and passion. There wasn't anything he would ask us to do that we were not willing and ready to do. To love the Lord Jesus Christ, it is a commandment. And it is the greatest commandment in all of the Bible. Jesus said, it is the first, it is the greatest, to love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The second one, remember, is again, repent. Remember what it was like to love him. And, and if, you, if Jesus has fallen from that first place, the second thing he says is just repent. When you don't love someone like you ought to love them, that is not a feeling that is lost forever. This is not something that is not recoverable. It is. As we, again, I, I love, I think it was, uh, maybe, I, I think Kelly, again, used that word repent. Man, that, in, in some places in the church, we've lost that word. In some places in the church, that word is a dirty word. We need to recover. We need to reclaim that word repent. And again, one thing every Christian can do about sin, about disobedience, is to repent. Let me just talk a couple of things about repentance. Biblical repentance, first and foremost, is a display of God's kindness. And, and I think Jim used that word this morning in, in prayer. He talked about, again, the kindness of God. And I think that's one of the ways that we have lost um, that, that sense of what repentance is. Repentance is the display of God's kindness toward us. It's one of the ways that God demonstrates his kindness to you and I is when he brings us to a place of repentance. That is so powerful. There's a place in scripture where it talks about where they're, they're mistaking uh, the second return of Jesus and they're looking at that and they're saying, oh God, you are so slow about your promises. And the writer says, do not mistake Jesus is not coming for as, as a, a slowness of keeping his promises. He said, it is God's patience. It is a form of God's patience to give people the opportunity to repent. It is the same thing true here. Repentance is not a bad thing. It is a good thing because it is God demonstrating. It is God manifesting his kindness to us. First and foremost... I think it's Romans 2.4 talks about that. It is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Second thing about biblical repentance is it's, it's coming to a new understanding. It's, it's getting a biblical revelation. It's getting spiritual insight that leads to a changed mind, a changed heart. Repentance is not just stopping and going the opposite direction. 
That is the fruit of repentance. That is the result of repentance. Repentance is where I have gotten a revelation. God has given me divine insight into a particular area, an area where I was not thinking or I was not acting or my attitude was not right. And in God's kindness, he has revealed to me, given me divine revelation through the word, through the spirit, that I need to repent and change this attitude, this action. That is repentance. Turning is the result. It is the fruit of repentance. Biblical repentance is when I receive Holy Spirit revelation. The word of God reveals a new truth to my mind, to my heart. And as a result, my response to that new revelation is I have a change of heart. I have a change of mind. My attitude changes. And therefore, I turn. This was, again, an, an example for me, uh, was about a, was it about a year ago? You and Mary did the the um, the teaching from Dutch Sheets on um, on prayer. So in the course of that, I, I I was participating in that study, and I had always preached. You you can go back and find tapes of this, where I would always talk about biblical repentance as being just simply turning. You're going this way, and you turn, and you just go the opposite way. That's repentance. So I'm sitting there and I'm listening to the teaching um, on a Saturday morning and Dutch Sheets talks about this whole concept of biblical revelation, of having spiritual insight. I'd never, ever heard that before. And it is a moment, and I, and I shared uh, in, in the group there, man, I, I, that, that was new to me. And it, it completely changed the way I saw and understood repentance. I, I, and I repented um, of my understanding of repentance, if that makes any sense. This week, I, I saw Todd White. I don't, I don't know a lot about Todd White, but I know that he's a, a well-known uh, national speaker. Um, from what everything I can tell, uh, he does great things for the kingdom of God. And this week, he came out it, it, with a video of biblical repentance, where he was repenting to the body of Christ because he felt God had convicted him of not teaching the whole counsel of God. Man, I, that was so refreshing for me. We need more of that. And, not, and again, there's not a one of us um, that, that doesn't have things, including pastors, that we have things that we need to repent of. I, I don't know everything. I don't know everything about the Bible. I don't know everything about God. I don't know everything about the ways of the Spirit. Now, for some of you, that may be caught, just cause to just run for the exit and get out of here as fast as you can. Pastor doesn't know everything. I don't. And there are times where I just have to come to repentance. And I just have to acknowledge, yeah, I, I, I didn't understand that that way. God has given me new revelation, and, and as a result of that. And, and so Todd White had been reading, I think, some uh, sermons of, of Charles Spurgeon. He had been listening to some teachings by Ray Comfort. And God used those teachings just to, to bring new light to his heart. It's not that Todd White was a bad person, that his ministry was heretical. None of that. He just simply said, I see something new. God showed me something, and, and I need, I, I need to, to begin to preach more and more uh, in, in that particular area. I found it so refreshing. And I see it as so helpful to the body of Christ because, again, this was God's kindness leading this man to repentance. We need to look at that. We need to, we, we need, we need to get comfortable with that. 
And we just need to be able, you know, confess your sins one to another and be healed. So there just are times where we get wrong theology. We get wrong attitudes. You know, our actions don't line up with the word of God. And so out of God's kindness, he just speaks to us. He brings new revelation to our hearts. And as we receive his kindness, we just simply say, yes, God, I need to repent of that. As a result of that revelation, I just need to begin to, to teach in a whole different, uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a new way, in new avenues that I've not ta taught and preached on before. That happens to me all the time. There are things I understand now in the spirit I didn't understand when I first started. As a matter of fact, I look back at some of my sermons that I preached, you know, in the, in the very, very beginning, and, and I, I can't believe that stuff came out of my mouth. It's just, it's just where I was at the time with the Lord. For me, it's, it's a process. It's a journey. It's a growth. It needs to be that way for all of us. And we do a disservice to the body of Christ when we come off thinking we know everything. We have no need to change. We have nothing new to learn. We have no need to repent. That is a disservice to the body of Christ, and that is nothing but pride and arrogance. So I just find it refreshing when we can just be honest with one another and say, yeah, boy, the Lord showed me something really, really new. I've been doing a study this uh, last couple of weeks. Um, uh, Bruce had, had recommended um, starting to listen to uh, a teacher, a Bible teacher, pastor down in Ankeny. And, uh, you know, he's been teaching on the blood of Christ. Uh, and, and man, it's just, it's opened my eyes to some new things about that. Um, and, and again, that, I, I look at that and I, I don't take that as like, oh, darn, you should have known that, you dummy. Why, why didn't you know that? I mean, you're a I said, oh man, God, thank you for your kindness. You're showing me new things about the blood of Christ. And you're leading me in, in deeper ways. And I just have, I just have an announcement for you. Uh, all of eternity is going to be this way. We're going to be learning new things all the time. And if you think you're going to get to heaven and have it all figured out, you have a giant surprise coming for you. So again, uh, so uh, I just need to quickly, I want to get through Ephesians so we can get, because we've been in Ephesians now for three weeks. I want to get to, uh, so I, like I said, I always have more to say than I have time to say it. So again, remember, repent. Uh, third one is repeat. You know, just uh, Jesus says, you know, do the first works. What are the first works? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love one another as you love yourself. Those are the first and second. Those are the greatest commands, and just keep doing that. Just, just you know, as soon as you get done loving the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, hit repeat. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Hit repeat. Just, that's what he's saying. Just keep doing that. Because he says it fulfills, when you, when you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, it says you fulfill all of the commands of the law. Stop and think about that. If you're trying to keep all the, 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 the laws of the, of the, of the Old Testament, uh, the Mosaic laws, the Ten Commandments, let's just say the Ten Commandments. If you're just trying to keep the, the Ten Commandments, you are going to exhaust yourself. You're, you're going to come to a place of just spiritual exhaustion. But here's the thing that Jesus said. If you'll just love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you'll fulfill not just the Ten, but you'll fulfill all the commands of the law. So that's why he says, just, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, hit repeat. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, hit repeat. Just keep doing that. You'll fulfill everything else. Fourth one is uh, remove. So we've got remember, repent, uh, remember, repeat, remember, repent, repeat, remove. Okay. Uh, and, and Jesus kind of says, if we refuse to remember, to repent, 
uh, to repeat. He is going to what? He is going to remove. There are consequences if we do not repent. Jesus says, I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now, we talked about that lampstand, what it represented a couple of weeks ago. If you were not here, uh, Jesus, uh, you know, John sees Jesus walking in the midst of seven lampstands. And he said that those lampstands represented the seven churches and the seven stars in his hands represented the seven pastors, the seven messengers. And that the lampstand represented the anointing of these particular ministries. These churches, these seven churches, they had an anointing upon them. They had power. They had revelation. They were moving in the Holy Spirit, that there was transformation happening throughout that church. And, and so the lampstand represented the anointing, the power, the impact, the influences those churches were having, not just in that area, not just in that region, but throughout um, the world. And Jesus said, if, if you do not repent, I will come quickly and I will remove the lampstand. I will remove the anointing. I will remove the spiritual impact. I will remove your influence. The church building would remain, and we talked about that. There are, are churches that God has gone into, denominations, whole denominations. I was a part of one of those. Whole denominations where when they started, they were on fire for God. There was an anointing uh, in these pastors, in these churches, in these ministries. They lost their love for Jesus. They would not repent. And then Jesus came in and he removed their influence. The churches remain, but they are dead on the vine. And so that's what happens when we will not remember, repent, repeat, Jesus comes and he just simply removes that. And again, that is not just something for those seven churches. That will happen in any and every church, in every culture, in every age where Jesus has fallen from that first place, that first priority, where he is no longer our first love. And so we as a church, one of the things that we have got to be committed and diligent and vigilant about is we have got to make sure that our love for the Lord Jesus Christ is our first priority, that he is first place, not just in our life, but in the life of this church. And that, that doesn't just take me, it takes all of us working together, praying for one another, encouraging one another, allowing our gifts to freely, fully flow amongst us, that, that God will keep that love ignited. God will keep that love alive and, and blazing uh, in our hearts for him. Uh, again, it is not a work we have to do. It is a work he does in us as we simply just yield, surrender, um, invite him, allow him uh, again to just, uh, you know, as, as Revelation said, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who opens the door, um, he just comes in and he just makes himself at home. 
And that, that's what he's asking for uh, in the church. And he's asking for that on an individual as well as a corporate um, level. And so, again, we together want to give him access to our hearts. We want to give him uh, full access uh, to our church. And our pursuit of him is, again, just to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Amen? Let's stand together. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for what you have spoken to that church there in Ephesus, God, the good as well as the challenging. God, for those areas, Lord, where we just need to be challenged and, and, and likewise, God, if there's any of us here this morning that have just let you, our love for you, just fall from first place, first priority in our lives, God, again, we thank you, God, for your kindness we thank you, God, for your goodness. That, God, you're not here to punish us because of that. God, you're here to, again, reignite our hearts, to reignite our passion for you. And that, God, that is a demonstration of your kindness, of your love for us. And so, Father, this morning, Lord, we just pray, God, if, if you have fallen from first place in our, our, our personal lives, if you have fallen from first place in, in our pursuit as a, a church, a congregation, if you have fallen from first place in, in our love, God, again, we ask, Lord, that you would just come, move in our hearts this morning, lead us to that place of repentance that, God, we would see the areas in our lives personally, in the life of the church that just needs to change, that just needs to be transformed, where, God, we just need your breath to blow upon us. As we talked about this morning, again, just those, those dry bones come alive. Our dead hearts come alive unto you this morning. And, God, we want that. We desire that this morning, Father, and we again thank you, God, for the ways that you're pruning in our lives this morning. That as we abide in you, that God, you're gonna prune those things that, that are dead, those things that need to be done away with in order to, again, produce more fruit. And God, again, we welcome that this morning. We want that individually. We want that corporately as a church this morning. And so, Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would come and just, again, bring that sweet, beautiful spirit of conviction. Because, again, conviction, it, it, it's a measure of your love. It's a demonstration of your love, of your grace for us as your sons and your daughters. It's your grace for, for your body. And so, Father, this morning, we just, we want to hear that, God. We want to see that. Open our hearts. Open our spiritual eyes, God. And again, Lord, help us to just remember, to repeat, to repent, so that you don't have to remove. And we just, again, thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org.